0: As a kid growing up, I had the pleasure to grow up with a drug problem. Uh, every Sunday night I was drugged at church. Uh, and uh, thankfully my uncle was the pastor and my uncle was uh, going through a study of the book of Genesis and we spent a number of years in our study of the book of Genesis and I, I think that his notes were picked up and were published uh, in a textbook that's used in a couple of Bible colleges out in the on the West Coast, Uh, but you know, as I was growing up during that time period, uh, it was such a beneficial thing for me that study through Genesis because as I attended school and as my teachers would share with us about evolution, I would listen to what they said. And I went home one time and I asked my dad. I said, "Dad, let me get this straight. We're studying on Sunday nights how God created the heavens and the earth." And so did God just take all of that creation and and put it in a filing cabinet for a while and then let everything evolve and then reintroduce mankind? How did that work? And my dad shared with me some, some information that's been very valuable in my life. He said to me, what does the Word of God say? And he said, when you have the Word of God laid out for you, like it's being laid out for you in our study through Genesis, if it doesn't match what we've been studying in the Word of God, then don't believe it. And so that was such a great thing for me. So as all of these teachers began to teach that with to me, I knew the truth. I would give them the answers on the test that they were looking for, sometimes. Uh, but I knew the truth. And so even in college, when, when all of those things began to come my way, I knew the truth. And so today we're going to begin our journey through the book of Genesis. And one thing that I have been so appreciative of, of this church, when I came here for the first time in August of 1999, I received the doctrinal statement of the church and I read that. And in our doctrinal statement, it talks about creation and what we believe as a church in regards to creation of the churches that I visited, of the the churches that I sent in applications to, this was the only church that included creation in its doctrinal statement. And so, we've gone through nine different books in the Old Testament. It's always been my practice as, as pastor here to study a New Testament book and then move to an Old Testament book and then to a New Testament book and to an Old Testament book. And so, this is our tenth Old Testament book that we've studied in the last 19 years. Uh, Dick Chris was praying with me before the service started, and he said, uh, how many years are we going to be in the book of Genesis? Five or six? So I don't know what kind of bets are taking place, but by the time we get through the book of Genesis, your Bible will be broken and open itself to the book of Genesis. As it does to the book of Mark right now as well. So this morning, without any further ado, we're going to dive into this foundational book. This book is foundational for the rest of Scripture. If we explain away the book of Genesis, or we try to manipulate the book of Genesis in some way, then we risk doing damage to the rest of Scripture. And so as we look at the book of Genesis, it is such an important book. And I'm excited that we are here, uh, even though I'm very nervous. So this morning in our study, we're going to look at Genesis 1-1. And Genesis 1-1 reads this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Great God in heaven, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for this opportunity that we have to delve into this book and begin moving through this book. Father, I pray that as we begin this journey today, that you would open our minds and our hearts to understanding, understanding of today's message, but Father, understanding of future messages that we see in this book of Genesis. So Lord, I pray that your anointing would be upon us this morning. I pray that we'd hear from you today. I pray, Father, that we would begin to grasp how great you are. Father, just take my mind and my heart and my tongue. Guide me and direct me this morning. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here this morning that we'll know that we've heard from you. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we go through this verse this morning, there are three things that we're going to touch on, kind of three points that we're going to draw out from this passage. The first thing we see here is the time of creation. We see the source of creation, and we see the substance of creation. Now, as we look at this verse here, I do believe that this is an introductory sentence of what we're going to see in the weeks to come. This introductory sentence kind of gives us an overview of what we're going to see in the book of Genesis. And so uh, as the writer of Genesis gives us this, it is that that declaration statement that's going to lead us and direct us through the rest of this book. And so as we dive into this, the first thing we want to see is the time of creation. Genesis 1-1 begins this way, in the beginning. Stop right there. In the beginning, this is a great way to begin this book. As a kid, when I was growing up, my grandma would come and she would tell us bedtime stories. And I used to love it when she would begin, once upon a time, that was how she began every story. Now, I was thinking this week as I was reading this and thinking about, wouldn't it be something if we started right here and we read, and the rest of the story... Wouldn't you feel like you missed the first part of the story? Remember how Paul Harvey used to do that? And that's the rest of the story. Uh, Can you imagine if that was right here in Genesis 1-1? And the rest of the story is, it would feel like we were missing something, wouldn't it? But we have right here, in the beginning. The word that's used here for beginning represents a starting point. Moses is the writer of the book of Genesis. He wrote uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses wrote those first five books. And as he begins this book, he and obviously being led by the Holy Spirit, they started, they saw this as the starting point. They saw this as the place where it needed to begin. And as we begin right here in the beginning, this is when time itself... Began. You see, prior to Genesis one one, we have eternity past that just goes on forever and forever and forever. But here at this point is where time began, and this is the moment. This is the point where Moses and the Holy Spirit says, "Let's start here." It's in the beginning where, where creation started is where our story is beginning. And this is where Moses says, in the beginning. Now it's interesting that as we read this, there are similar references in other places. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Moses takes us back to the beginning. And he begins this story, he begins his story of God's creation, of, of God's history. He begins at this point, in the beginning. And he begins to lead us through this. Now as we think about this being in the beginning, the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. The word Genesis comes from the Septuagint. The the Septuagint is just the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. So Genesis is from that Greek word, that that means origin. It means coming into beginning of something, the coming in uh, of the beginning of something or the, the coming into being of something. That's what the book of Genesis means. And as we look at the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis is a story of origins. It shares with us the origins of all things. It shares with us the origin of the universe. That's a question that thousands and thousands and millions and millions of dollars are spent on every year. What is the origin of the universe? Where did it come from? Genesis answers that question for us. The origin of the earth comes from the book of Genesis. We read about the origin of the of life, of plant life, of animal life, of of human life. We find those answers in this book of origins. It shares that with us. It's here in the book of origin that we see time begin and we see how time is measured. Something that I saw a few weeks ago was that isn't it crazy that our weeks contain seven days? I mean, why not five days? Why not ten days? Don't those kind of add together a little bit better? I mean, seven days, uh, you know, that's kind of a weird way to do it. I mean, touchdowns and an extra point count as seven, but other than that, nothing is worth seven points. Seven is such an odd number. But yet, that's the length of our weeks. Where did that come from? The book of Genesis tells us. The origin of marriage, a debate that's taking place in courtrooms across this country. The origin of marriage is shared with us in the book of Genesis. The origin of sin, the origin of death, is found in the book of Genesis. I don't know if you've ever had someone say to you, well, if there's a God, why is there evil in the world? Without the book of Genesis, we don't know where evil comes from. Without the book of Genesis, we don't know why there's sin. The book of Genesis gives us the origin of sin. And it gives us the origin of death. Evolution teaches that life begins and ends, that life begins and ends, and then we come to mankind. But you know, sin and death were not even around before man. Those came after man was created. We find those answers in the book of Genesis. We find the origin of evil in the book of Genesis. We find the origin of salvation by grace by grace through a substitute. We find that in the book of Genesis. The origin of language we find in the book of Genesis. One of the things that's so difficult for evolutionists to explain was how we could move from monkeys to people and have So many different and diverse languages. How did we evolve from just doing grunts and groans to thousands upon thousands of languages? The answers can be found in Genesis. The origin of government is found in the book of Genesis. The origin of the nation of Israel as God's chosen people, is found in the book of Genesis. And so as we look at all of these different things, through our study in the book of Genesis, gives us a foundation, gives us a grounding, so that as we look at the rest of the Word of God, it all falls into place. As we look at the world around us, without Genesis, we have no answers. Without Genesis, we are like everyone else, just searching for the meaning of life, searching for the purposes of life, searching for everything. But those answers are in the book of Genesis. God has revealed to us the design and the plan and the purpose of everything in the book of Genesis. So, as we begin this journey, we're going to be looking at where it all began. So the time of its beginning, it was there in the beginning that we are at. In the beginning is where it began. The second thing we see here in Genesis 1-1 is the source of creation. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. There's no explanation, no argument put forth here for the existence of God. It's one of those things that's a certainty. The Bible doesn't discuss with us or argue with us here about the existence of God. In the beginning, God. When it all began, God was already there. There was no explanation here as to how he got here. He was already there. In the beginning, God. You know, as we look at this phrase, as we look at this statement, in the beginning, God, this refutes the argument of atheists. They say there is no God. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. That's it. God was there in the beginning. Psalm ninety, verse two says this before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Moses is the one who wrote Psalm 90. He wrote those first five books of the Old Testament. He only wrote one Psalm, and he wrote Psalm ninety. And he said, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses takes us back from, back before the beginning, and says, you were God. And he takes us past the end, and he says, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God was there in the beginning, and God will be there in the end as well. I don't know if there's ever been a time or a circumstance where you've gone through where there's been a hope of something. I know as a, as a little kid going to the babysitter, uh, awful experience as a kid growing up. But one thing that got me through, I knew at 5 o'clock mom would be coming for me. And if I was near death, she'd be able to rescue me. If I had eaten a baloney sandwich during the day, she would be there to do the Heimlich maneuver, to get it out of my system. I knew mom would be there in the end. As we think about this, as we think about the truth that's here, God was here before it began, and God is going to be there when it's all over. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. So here we are, in the beginning, God. This is the beginning of history. This is the beginning of His story. But you know, as we read this, in the beginning, God, this was not the beginning of God's activity. This was the beginning of time. This was the beginning of the earth and the universe as we know it. But this was not the beginning of God's activities. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says this, In hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages began. The hope of eternal life God promised before in the beginning. God in his trinity discussed eternal life and the hope that we would have before in the beginning. That used to amaze me as a kid when we would go somewhere and something would happen and mom would have lunch prepared for us already. Don't worry, lunch is in the back of the car. Because you know how when you're 10, you never get enough food Mom had always planned ahead. Mom always had it figured out. When sin came into the world, God was not shocked. God already had a plan. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us, In Christ Jesus, before the ages began. Before the beginning, God had a purpose for us. Grace was there for us before the beginning. Jesus mentions activities taking place before the beginning. Jesus was praying in the garden. John 17 verse 5 says this, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed, before the beginning. Take me back and reestablish me in that grace that we had before it all began. You see, God was there before the beginning Jesus Christ was there before the beginning the Holy Spirit was there before the beginning and a plan was in place a purpose was in place in the beginning God He was there just a side note there's no extra charge for this Elohim is the word that's used here for God Uh, You'll notice in your Bible, it's capital G, lowercase o, and d. Anytime you see that word used, God, in the Old Testament, it is this word Elohim. Elohim is used 2,500 plus times. I think it's closer to 2,700 times it's used in the book of Genesis. 32 times it's used in this chapter. Elohim emphasizes the majesty of God, the power of God. Elohim is the word that's used here in Genesis 1 as God who is the creator. Elohim. Now notice it says, in the beginning God created. When it comes to the Existence of the universe, we really just have two choices. We can believe that God created, or we can believe that God did not create, that there is no creator. That's our two choices. Either God is a creator, either there is a creator, or there is no creator. That's our two choices. Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created. Genesis teaches us that God created, that there is a creator and God created. The book of Genesis is a a book of origins and it tells us that God is the reason for that origin. He is the one who created. And you know what? The rest of the Bible teaches us that same thing as well. Isaiah 45, verse 18 for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is God. Who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Psalm 148 verse 5 says this. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created. Revelation chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, is John's first view of heaven. He is caught up, and he is taken up into heaven. And he, in in Revelation 4, for the first time, sees what heaven looks like. And this is what he sees, and this is what he records in verse 10 of Revelation 4. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. So think about this for a moment. Here they are in heaven gathered around the throne and they are giving God glory because He's the Creator. They're not giving God glory or or worshiping Him. We don't see it here because because of some of the the miracles that He accomplished. They're not not mentioning it here that God helped them find their car keys one time. They're not mentioning here that, that, you know, He saved them from the flu bug one time. Their worship is focused on God as being the Creator. The Creator of all things. Sometimes I think about how great it's going to be. To be in heaven and see my grandparents. But you know, that's going to be a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But our focus is not going to be on Grandpa Harold and Grandma Lola Our focus is going to be on the Creator God. And you know, we have an opportunity to recognize Him here while we're on earth as Creator. And begin to worship Him now as Creator rather than waiting. Because there will be that time when every knee will bow, when everyone will recognize Him as Creator. But we have an opportunity to do it now. And you know, there are those who who worship the slime that they see and believe that gave us the existence that we have. They are going to be in for a surprise when they are face to face with the Creator. In the beginning, God created. This phrase refutes the pantheistic view of God. The pantheistic view of God declares that nature is God, that God is in the trees, that God is in the grass, that God is in the sun, that God... In the beginning, God created. God existed, and then he created everything else. God existed outside of creation. And then he created. He is not the creation. He is the creator. And all of creation is designed, all of creation is created so that God would receive the glory. This refutes the materialistic view that claims that matter is eternal, matter had a beginning. God did not have a beginning. Matter had a beginning. The way this phrase is is laid out, in the beginning God created, it carries an emphasis here that suggests that only God can create, that nobody else can create. Only God can create. So then we ask the question, how did God create? How did God create? The Hebrew word that's used here is bara. And this word expresses the ab- the idea of absolute creation. The Latin vulgate uh, uses the word ex nihilio. And that Latin word means created from nothing, So God created without pre-existing material. There was nothing there. And God created from nothing. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God created everything. From things that didn't exist God did not use an evolutionary process I was reading a commentary this week and this commentary said with all of the advances in science we have to believe that God used the evolutionary process If God used the evolutionary process, then death was around before sin. And that's impossible. If God used the evolutionary process, it's impossible. The evolutionary process was not used, God spoke everything into existence. Genesis 1, verse 6 says this, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters but that were under the expanse and the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. Genesis one nine says, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Genesis one verse eleven, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed in, uh, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth, and. It was so. Genesis 1, 14 and 15. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Genesis 1, verse 20 And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of heavens, so that God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds and it was so. God spoke and it was so. There was nothing and God spoke and there was something. Psalm 33 verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host. We see the time of creation. We see the source of creation. And we see the substance of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is no word in the Hebrew language for universe. The heavens and the earth mean the universe. In the beginning, God created out of nothing the universe. Isaiah 44, 24 says this, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who made all things Who alone stretched out the heavens who spread out the earth by myself? I guess it helps if you can see the verses I'm reading it. Now, read my lips. God created the universe and everything in it. Now, there's something that I think bears sharing right here at this point. God created everything. And God created everything mature. He created everything mature. God created Adam. And he created Eve. He did not create them as infants. God created Adam, who was a fully mature man. He created Eve as a fully mature woman. Creation was created with maturity. The trees already had fruit on them. I can remember a fruit tree that we had when Darcy and I first bought our house. And that thing for the first couple of years didn't even produce a single fruit. The thing just grew, sucked up fertilizer, sucked up water. Did not give me a single peach. And we sold the house before. I got a single peach. The thing took time but Adam and Eve needed food everything was fully mature animals were mature by the way the chicken came first the egg came later but that chicken was fully developed and ready to lay eggs when it was created the mountains and the canyons did not take years of erosion to form. Even though they may have looked millions and billions of years old, they were just but a day old. I heard a great thing yesterday. So thankful for just the opportunity to drive places and be able to turn on my phone and listening to preaching from whoever I want to. And I was listening to a sermon yesterday as I was driving. And this guy said, this is so hard for people to grasp that God could have possibly created with maturity. But you know, Jesus turned water into wine in a matter of seconds. And wine usually takes years and years for it to be the best. And no one doubts that. God created the heavens and the earth with maturity. Fully functioning. Producing of its own kind from day one. From the day, the first day of their creation. So there you have it. The time of creation, the source of creation, and the substance of creation. So, what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our day today? I have an idea. The one thing that we can take home from this study today, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know how easy it is for you to memorize Scripture, but Genesis 1-1 is right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what we can take home from this. When people come and share with us their thoughts of evolution, their thoughts of the Big Bang Theory, we can say Genesis 1 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I saw a t shirt one time. I kind of wanted to buy it, but the guy wouldn't sell it to me, so very rude. Not my fault. He was wearing it. It was the only one he had on. But it said on the front, I, begin, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. And then on the back it said, God said, and boom, there it was. I like that. Because I believe Genesis 1:1. in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1 is where God begins His story. Man, no matter how hard they try, cannot change God's story. When we try to tweak God's story to make it more palatable, to try to make it more tasteful, we impact more than just Genesis 1-1. Because Genesis 1-1 tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Period. There's no explanation for the universe that doesn't include God. Evolution is tried but it's failed. The only way that we can talk about the universe, the only way we can think about the existence or the creation or an explanation of the universe is by Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what do we pray about this week? My desire for us as a congregation is that we move through this study and it's a time of growth for us. It's a time that we would grow in our understanding of our almighty God. And as we look at Genesis 1-1, how can we not stand back and say, Wow, what an almighty God we serve. Think about his plan and his program from the future from Genesis 1-1. We serve a God that's all-knowing. We serve a God that's all-powerful. We serve a God that is Almighty. There is nothing that our God cannot do.